1: Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Discovering our
2: true nature. In this podcast, Eckhart talks about our dependence on people, places, things, and concepts as the source of our identity. He says most of us derive a sense of self from our attachments, but the essence of who we truly are is much deeper. Eckhart calls it the alive stillness at the center of our being. Once we become aware of it, our attachment to external things fades and we discover our true nature. Eckhart illustrates this idea with the story of a Buddhist monk who sought to release worldly things. His difficulties were great until he let go, absolutely.
3: Years ago, I spoke to a a Buddhist monk. He was a westerner. And he became a Buddhist monk. He still is a Buddhist monk. He's been a Buddhist monk now for over 55 years. But that was many, many years ago. I talked to him. And when he be, he became a monk, and the monks in the Buddhist tradition, and it used to be like that. Perhaps it's in some places still is in the Christian tradition. Definitely in India, there's a tradition of letting go of everything. You become a mendicant, or you become an ascetic, uh, so in Buddhist, you can't own anything. It's in most Buddhist traditions. This happened to be the Theravada tradition in Southeast Asia. So you let go of possessions. You're not allowed to even touch any money. You can't touch a, a bill or a coin. You're not allowed to touch. You let go of, of your the, the, your usual dress, the clothes that you wear. You let go. You have to you use the monks. There are nuns too. Monks or nuns robes, and you have to give you give up your name, too. You're given a new name. It's a spiritual name. And they shave your hair because they realize that many people de- derive part of their sense of self from their hair. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. And so I talked to this monk, and then he told me a story that uh, he noticed that he was at the time living in a monastery in Thailand, and he was the the saffron robe that he was wearing was being washed and read the diet to give it the saffron color. And when he got it back after being washed and that that was after a couple of years in the monastery, and and suddenly he he became extremely upset because that was not the color it was before. It was a different shade of saffron and he started arguing with the person who had dyed it, and noticed he became extremely upset about the color of his robes that had changed, that different shade of saffron. And for a day or so, he was trapped in that. when he suddenly realized his attachments had shifted, and whatever the this unconscious mechanism could, could latch itself onto, it, it was the, the, the robes. <laughs> and uh, then he was able to let go of that And but then there were other steps he, he then realized he was attached to a self image as a, a very serious Buddhist monk he had become a very there was a lot of gravitas in the way he spoke to people at that stage and he realized he was attached to a self image of somebody who had let go of all attachments <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he realized that, and that took years, of course, to, and then finally, when I met him, he had already gone beyond that, and he was like a little child. He laughed all the time. Uh, there's no sense of self-importance anymore. He had been able to let go of that. But it was a journey of discovering how many things, how clever and uh, cunning the Mind is the egoic mind in its attempt to derive identity from some external thing. So I I do recommend, then, that you don't focus excessively on letting go of attachments, because in the absence of realizing, even if it's just through glimpses, in the absence of realizing this deeper essence of yourself as the conscious presence, you can never be free of attachment to things, whether it's external things or mental creations, mental concepts. So if you think first I need to go right to attachments, and then I can find myself, probably not going to work. <laughs> because you'll never get to an end of the, the attachments. And the the ways in which you Attach yourself and what you attach yourself to becomes more and more subtle, but it's still there. So it's not a gradual relinquishment of attachments. You go to the deeper place, and when gradually you begin to realize or sense, realize still sounds a little bit like an intellectual thing, you sense that deeper essence that is the presence that you are, the alive stillness, you sense that and you go to there. The more you go to that, the less attached you will be to the external things. So it's a gradual fading of needing. You no longer need to reinforce or feed your sense of self through anything in this world. So the need to do that gradually diminishes. And so then as you become more deeply rooted in who you actually are, one with who, one with who you are, whenever we use language, we create duality, it's inevitable. When you become rooted in that deeper essence, then you will notice... Um, the need to attach yourself isn't there, but um, you can. St- you may still find remnants of that here and there in your life, little things, but they are relatively unimportant. And when something leaves you, it says, "Oh, that's a pity." It no longer changes anything in your sense of who you are, your sense of self, your sense of identity. Now, your ability to connect with other human beings when you no longer connect through attachment actually deepens
0: you like to watch new stuff right well go to hulu and see what's new because hulu has new stuff all the time like vanderpump villa the new docudrama starring lisa vanderpump where first class luxury meets world class drama a new season of the kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise. The sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu.
1: There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are.
3: Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Uh, Some people attempt to let go of, because they've suffered so much in relationships that they decide not to have any more, which means i don't want to get close to any other human being anymore because it's just it's going to end up ending in suffering again some people go after their third divorce or fourth divorce some people have that realization or that delusion that that's the way to go and then you cut yourself off from the aliveness of this world from and you can no longer truly uh, connect with other human beings But the opposite actually is the the way to go is when you, as you gradually, your need to derive identity from attachments, including humans that you're attached to. In egoic sense, it's called love, but love in the egoic sense is not love. (laughs) It's love in the egoic sense is in a deep neediness of the other, of wanting to the other to fulfill your unfulfilled sense of self, of wanting the other to, to put it in the simplest terms, of wanting the other to make you happy. Make me happy, please. That's why I've chosen you, to make me happy. And I'll make you happy. Well, it probably won't work unless you're able to go deeper. Where, when the attachment to other humans goes, then something deeper arises. If you go deeper, it's no longer it's not cutting yourself off. You only you cut yourself off when you when you have no awareness of the as your essence identity. But if the awareness of your essence identity arises, then the attachment goes, and when the attachment goes, then and only then does love arise. And before that, what was called love wasn't love at all. It wasn't uh, part of the egoic, the, the insufficiency, the sense of lack that is part of Every egoic self, every ego has that. There's something terrible missing. There's something very wrong with me or my life. I don't. That's an underlying, often and sometimes spoken, sometimes unspoken thought. There's something wrong. Sometimes it's projected. There's something deeply wrong with the world. So the entire sense of lack of insufficiency is projected outward, <laughs> and then you go and. You Look at oh, it's all it's the politics, it's this, it's that, it's capitalism, it's communism, it's socialist, uh, whatever it's, or you have some fantasy of uh, what they are all doing, that it's, it's all being planned. I know exactly what they're doing, it's all out there, they're trying to do this, who they are. I don't, don't know exactly what the conspiracy theories they're projecting out, but I'm not saying every conspiracy is wrong, probably. But one in 20 may have some truth to it, but that's another story. Uh <laughs> so you can project the sense of lack of insufficiency outward, or you can have it to yourself. If you if you feel it deeply, there's something deeply wrong with me, then you 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 will perhaps seek out therapists and go to all kinds of things to, to solve the dilemma, the conundrum of me. <laughs> and Of course, it can't be solved on that level. So, if you continue to try to solve it on that level, you never solve it. So, either you—it's either an internally sensed uh, sense of insufficiency, or an externally projected insufficiency, in which case you would say, "This, this world is uh, everything is wrong with this world, everything." (laughs) Not realizing that what you experience as this world is inseparable from your and the collective consciousness of humanity. It's so this sense of insufficiency begins to disappear. The sense of lack when you begin to realize this deeper essence of who you are, which sometimes I call the present moment. Sometimes I call awareness. Jesus called it the kingdom of heaven. B- Buddha called it, at various terms he sometimes used, emptiness, sunyata, which I translate as spacious awareness, emptiness. That is a dimension within. And as you, the more you sense that, the less you need to attach yourself to anything. And the more you sense it, the more love, what is true true love, shines through. And then this love, which we could also use other words to point to it. We could say uh, loving kindness that arises that you can sense towards all life forms, and that's other human beings, an arising loving kindness, empathy, to sense the other in their beingness, not just the suffering of the other, you might sense it too, but you can sense something that's beyond their suffering, their beingness, and that is love, to sense the other, as ultimately yourself, one with who you are, the one consciousness. You you sense the consciousness in yourself, and it might have started with a simple thing like this. Give attention to this, or the sky, or whatever. Then become aware of yourself, of the presence, which is the absence of the self, entity and become aware of that presence there is an aliveness there too but the so in the in the case of a so-called inanimate object which is a erroneous term i wouldn't perhaps call it love i would call it appreciation you appreciate the beingness of this flower you appreciate you sense the beingness that is, even, that is beyond the sense possession. The sense possession is beautiful, but there's something beyond that is, you, you only see the surface phenomenon when you see anything beautiful. There's a surface phenomenon. Beyond that, there's something deeper, and that deeper is inseparable from your the depth dimension within you. So here, we have an appreciation of simple things. And some people call that, uh, I believe, one term you could use is gratitude. Another term you could use, appreciation and gratitude, are to to me almost synonymous for our purposes. So there's a deep appreciation of this, and that is that is the love. um, Expresses itself or manifests as a deep appreciation, even of the world of physical things. So a gratefulness for you can be grateful for this beautiful thing here. You can be grateful for things you would never notice before. There's the sun coming around, you can't see it, but it's there's a reflection of the sun on the wall there. And you can look at that and be you don't you don't tell yourself, I'm so grateful. Well, you could, as a helpful pointer, but you simply appreciate it, you give it your attention. And then you can sense the source of that attention that is inseparable from the source of who you are. So anything that you give attention to, you're aware of that and you're aware of the source without which that thing would not even be perceivable. The light of God is consciousness. God is transcendent to all phenomena beyond space and time. The light of God shines into this dimension and you can know it as yourself because you are a ray of that one consciousness. So at first, it's... returning your attention as much as possible to that dimension, the dimension of sunyata, a vast inner spacious awareness, the kingdom of heaven, that which makes all thinking, all feeling, and all sense perception possible, without which there would be No feeling, no sense perception, no thinking. So it's not separate ultimately from feeling and sense perception and thinking. There's no duality. I compare it sometimes to the ocean and the surface of the ocean. So all thinking and feeling and sense perceptions happen on the surface of the ocean. Although some feelings go a little bit beyond the surface, but not too deep. And then you have the vastness of the ocean, the depths of the totality of the ocean. The surface of the ocean is waves and ripples, thoughts, feelings, the entire sense of identity. Uh, Form identity is derived from what happens on the surface of the ocean. That's your form identity as a ripple. You are a ripple effect of the ocean. Or as somebody once said, you are something that the universe is doing in the same way that a wave or ripple is something that the ocean is doing. So uh, the, the consciousness in you, the consciousness that is you, remember when we talk about it, we create duality, you just have to allow for that. Uh, So when I say the consciousness in you, it's already a a mistake, but we, we have to use language. The consciousness in you is the consciousness of the universe. There's only one consciousness. So you are in you. The universe is actually, there is an evolutionary process in this dimension, not in the transcendent dimension. But in this dimension, there is an evolutionary process. And in you, and as you, the universe is becoming more conscious. And that manifests as the gradual increase in complexity that you find when you look at the life on the, even our planet. We know a little bit about going back millions of years, through geology and so on, we have made certain discoveries about the evolution of life on our planet. And we know that there was gradually an intensification of the, the complexity of life forms grew more and more. The more and more complex life forms developed, even though already, I believe, five times the universe suffered unimaginable catastrophe extinction events the universe already suffered five i believe it's five extinction events when 70 percent in one or two cases 80 percent of all life forms became eradicated incredible
0: you like to watch new stuff right well go to hulu and see what's new because hulu has new stuff all the time Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. A lot can
2: happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it.
3: And that if there had been an external observer, he would have said, oh, this, oh my God, this. And of course, it was on this level, it was terrible. And it, but then life regenerated, didn't take long, only a few million years. And then life regenerated. And as it regenerated, the complexity, the life forms that then arose were more complex than in the, in the previous, one could say the previous incarnation. Of life on the planet. In that sense, the planet has already had several incarnations of life forms, and death, and then a rebirth, and then a death and a rebirth. <coughs> I'm not saying we should not do all we can to love and appreciate and protect this planet, and we shouldn't say, oh, it doesn't matter if there's another extinction. <laughs> it is our job here to live uh, conscious as conscious as participants in the totality if an extinction event, another one, where inevitable it would be tragic, of course it would be, but only in relative terms, in, uh, from a deeper level it would be a death and a rebirth again. In the same way that the death of a human being is tragic, if looked at in isolation. So. The you are an expression of a manifestation of the consciousness of the universe. You are the con you express, you in you embody, you are the consciousness of the universe, the awakening consciousness of the universe. Why do I know that? Because I experienced the awakening of consciousness, and I know that you most of you, if not all of you, are also experiencing a shift in consciousness, an awakening of consciousness. So that is a new stage. And I believe if it's happening here, it probably is happening in, in many other worlds, planets, galaxies, inconceivable vastness. There a, the universe is one awakening being. Impossible to even imagine or understand. Can we begin to understand the, the vastness of it. But you can have, get little. You can get insights beyond conceptualization. There's a lot that I understand about the universe, but I can't talk about it because in concepts I don't understand it. <laughs> Any concept I use are distant approximations. They're pointing to something. Yes, there's a little bit of truth in what I'm saying that all concepts can do. But if you go deep enough within and realize that that essence, then the, through you, the universe is awakening to itself. In that sense, one could say that up to now, at least on this planet, or up to recently, now recently could mean the past few thousand years, the consciousness, as it gradually grew through manifold, ever more complex life forms, it was a kind of dream that the universe is dreaming of, a beautiful dream of the arising of life. There's a possibility of awakening from the dream. <laughs> and this is what's happening to us. We, If an unawakened human, is so identified with all the stuff in this world, derive their sense of identity from or and is reactive to whatever is happening around them, completely determined by their surroundings, is in a kind of dream world. And any human who is completely identified with their thought processes continuously, deriving their identity from their thought processes, lives in a kind of dream. And the dream is determined by your, the past, your past, whatever thoughts you think, are determined by the world that you grew up in and so on. So there's a, any human who, who, who does not have yet any awareness of their thoughts, but is completely possessed by their thoughts and the emotions that go with the thoughts, lives in a kind of dream, lives in dream-like existence. And it's kind of predetermined, the dream is more or less predetermined. Some humans are predetermined to, to experience unpleasant events, because they basically, through their reactivity, they amplify every problem they encounter, and therefore make it bigger. They create one drama after another. It's karma, is a word you could use of Eastern term. Karma is the dream. So it's involuntary. You don't know you're dreaming. You're just dreaming. Now, perhaps all of you have had occasionally the experience of actually dreaming at night and in the middle of a dream, realising, oh, this is actually a dream. <laughs> uh, that's a very strange realisation. And then you think, oh, I could actually could do anything and it didn't, wouldn't really matter. <laughs> Some people pursue that. They want to develop that ability to be a, to lucid dreaming, it's called. They want to develop the ability to be awake in their dreams. It's interesting. It's not liberating, but it's interesting. It's much more important. Lucid living is much more important than lucid dreaming. (laughs) So you have to awaken here to your attachment to all those things that while you're attached to them are part of your dream. And suddenly you, you awaken and you realize that which awakens is consciousness in you. It becomes aware of itself. <laughs> this is why I sometimes or often say, can you be aware that you are aware right now? Can you sense that awareness with which you are perceiving? Can you sense that as yourself here and now? Wow. Yes that is the awakening of consciousness and that's the beginning of lucid living when yes you still inhabit this world which then assume, assumes a somewhat of a dreamlike quality but it's no longer a, a threatening dream as because before dreams can be quite threatening when you're completely trapped in them so the world of all these forms here are no longer threatening because you don't need them for your identity anymore you have to to, 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 you're not attached in that sense so the dream then still happens around you you go on with your life and but there's always an underlying presence or witness that is not part of the dream in the same way like the ocean becoming aware of itself because the ripple has become aware of itself as the ocean. If the ripple had not become aware of itself as the ocean, the ocean wouldn't be aware of itself. <laughs> the ocean becomes aware of itself through the ripple. You are the ripple. And being or consciousness, the universal consciousness is the ocean. So you are a ripple on the ocean of being the ocean of being needs you, I mean you're not separate from it, the ocean of being needs you for its awareness. This is an approximation of something, I'm giving you some analogies, It's an. Ex- I'm not giving the ultimate explanation of the universe, it's impossible to do. It's, it's an approximation, it's a bit like this, that's all one can say. It's a bit like this, not some ultimate thing that you need to believe in. That's how, it, that's how it is. So the, you're awakening, the universe is awakening in and through you. And then the quality of the dream actually improves considerably. And that's a relief. And even if the dream temporarily is not very pleasant, there's no longer that much of a reactivity to it. You don't amplify the so-called bad things. You're able to allow them because you are the witnessing presence for it. And out of the witnessing presence, very often, insight arises. Right action can arise. So you you act upon that. You act in the dream, but in a no longer in a reactive way. You actually can act with wisdom. And if you act on this dream with wisdom then the dream improves. Without wisdom, whatever action you take, in most cases, makes things worse, ultimately. So the wisdom is not to be confused with intelligence. You can be highly intelligent without wisdom. In fact, highly intelligent people without wisdom are very dangerous in this world because they create all kinds of havoc that that a non-intelligent person might not be able to create. For example, build atom bombs you need considerable intelligence to build an atom bomb. A low IQ person wouldn't be able to do it. But is there any wisdom in that? No, there's no wisdom. So how, where does wisdom come from? What is it even? Wisdom is comes from a, a greater intelligence. It is the consciousness in you, the unconditioned consciousness. So it's not only love that arises, loving kindness that arises, empathy that arises. Also, wisdom arises out of that dimension, and, and that wisdom inspires, can inspire and use your mind. And then you can speak words that are powerful and meaningful and helpful in this world, bring about a better dream, make the dream a bit better. <laughs> Without wanting to make the dream a bit better, it just happens. Amazing. Amazing. I'm always, uh, the truth is so amazing. I've been talking about this for decades. And every time I talk about it, I'm amazed myself at all this. (laughs) It's like the first time. So here we are. Here you are. Here I am. Ultimately, it's all I. It's all I am. And so you let go of whatever you add to the I am is ultimately part of the dream. That's fine. You can take it up later, but get used to being the I am without any additions. And that is the I am that I am, which is in the Old Testament, maybe the most meaningful statement. When God is asked, what's your name? God says, I am that I am. Oh, <laughs> The core identity of the universe and of you. Thank you for your presence. I wish you well in your awareness practice and gradually it will become second nature to you in fact second nature is not really the best way of putting it it's it's your first nature your true nature find your true nature thank you
2: I'm Oprah Winfrey and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle Essential Teachings the podcast you can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening.
1: It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.